How many of you are sports fan of one sport or another? What, what's your sport? Football and basketball. Football and basketball. So is it NBA or college? So in the NBA, if you're not a Cavalier or, or a Warrior right now, are you the best? <laughs> right? If you're not one of those, are you the best in the NBA if you're not one of the Cavaliers or the Warriors? Right. But those teams <laughs> but those teams just got run out of the building by the other ones in the playoffs, didn't they? Yeah, and, and, and I hate to do this to you Gonzaga fans, but if you're in the room with North Carolina at the moment, are you the best? Why not? Yeah, yeah, yeah they say that. We're still the best even though we got beat. I, I said in the first service, I, I really, one of the things I really enjoyed about wrestling was there was almost never fights after the matches because it had just got proved who was tougher. Right, you just got beat, or or not? Um, can you imagine being a disciple and arguing over who's the greatest when the Lord of all creation is in the room? You know, Jesus is there and He's telling you all this stuff. One one of the things I was thinking as I'm doing this is when somebody before it happens says this is going to happen and this is going to happen and this is going to happen and it starts happening that way, you start going, oh, they probably know something I don't know. That's the way the text is today. I just want to sort of set the tone a little bit about who's the greatest in our life and the way Jesus performs that work in our life. Let me tell you what I'm going to do, okay? That way when I get there, you'll go, oh, that's what he meant to do. I'm going to talk about the three ways that Jesus' ministry on earth was lined out and then how that works in our lives and then how we fail or don't fail from that, okay? So the first three things are Jesus. Jesus is the king or the Lord of all creation or the king of Israel. Israel in the um, Old Testament it's a, is a word they use for the kingdom of God, God's people. So he's king and in charge. God sets him there. And then he says, I'm a servant. I'm here as king but as servant And the third thing I'm going to say is I'm going to go through a trial. That's what's coming up in front of us today in the text. How that works for us, how we interact with that is Jesus will say, as I'm king and as I have a task assigned to me, I'm going to assign one to you. But I'm here as a servant, so you should be servants. And if you are called by my name, just as I am tested, so you will be tested. Uh, The three denials of Peter are in our text today. And so let's let's get started and let's work our way through this. And so let's do that. This is from Luke 22, 24 and beyond. Then they began to argue amongst themselves about who would be the greatest among them. That is right after after Jesus changes... um, Passover to communion a little bit, and they're all upset, and Judas leaves as well. Jesus told them, in this world, the kings and great men lorded over their people, and yet they are called friends. But among you, it will be different. Those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank, and the leader should be like the servant 
Who is more important, the one who sits at the table or the one who serves? The one who sits at the table, of course, but not here, for I am among you as one who serves. There's the thing, right? So here it is. I have stayed with you. You have stayed with me in my time of trial. And just as my father has granted me a kingdom, I now grant it to you. You will eat and drink at my table in the kingdom, and you will sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Um, So those are the first two. It's an upside-down method. It is not the way the world works. Have you noticed that? That the world likes to take charge, and it likes the take-charge person. It, It... if you're in a group of people and they're all just milling around, everybody wants somebody to be in charge so that we know what we're doing. But in the kingdom of God, what's starting to happen is this, is that Jesus, and, and even though he's, he's Lord of everything, comes to serve. I just want to make sure we point that out. We spend a little time talking about that's, that's how different that is. In the Old Testament, before Israel had a king, they kept saying, we want a king over us. And God said, to, when he set a king, you won't be like them. You're here as a servant, not as a lord. The Israelite king, even when it was a king, was supposed to be a servant and king. Let's, let's move on just a little bit so that we can get here. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked you, asked to sift each of you like wheat, not just Simon, everybody. But I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, so that your faith will not fail. And here's the big point at the end of the sermon. I'm going to keep coming back to this. And and when you have repented and returned to me again, strengthen your brothers or strengthen the people. Peter said, Lord, I'm ready to go to prison with you and even to die with you. But Jesus said, Peter, let me tell you something. Before the rooster crows tomorrow, you will deny me three times that you even know me. Then Jesus asked them, when I sent you out to preach the good news before and you did not have to take money or a traveling bag or an extra pair of sandals, did you need anything? And they said, no, we didn't. But now, he said, take your money and a traveler's bag and if you don't have a sword, sell your cloak and buy one for the time is coming for this prophecy to be fulfilled he will be counted amongst the robbers. So if you follow somebody that's very popular, it's pretty easy to have your needs taken care of you, for you. But if you follow somebody that they're treating as a robber, it might not be so easy to go about in the world. But now, let's see, for the time has come... Yes, everything written about the prophets will come true. Look, Lord, they replied, we have two swords among us. Enough, he said. Now, it's not, that's enough swords. Glad you have two swords. That's not what's going on. If you go back and you're looking at Deuteronomy 3.26 and Moses is pleading to go into the promised land in the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Bible, God actually says, let me, let me read it this way so you can get the full strength of this because the same wording is used. Please let me go over and see the good land beyond the Jordan, the hill country, and Lebanon. But the Lord was angry with me because of you, and I would not listen to me. And the Lord said to me, enough from you. Do not speak to me about this matter 
again, is the way they translate that. So when you hear this back here in the New Testament, and they said, look, I've got two swords, and Jesus says, enough. He says, stop it. That's not on topic. You're not paying attention. So remember my points here. Jesus is king, but he's as a servant, and he's going to go through a time of testing. If we're called by his name, he will assign us a task just as he was assigned by God, right? And that task has a methodology to be a servant, and then we too will be subject to testing. Then let's, let's go on. Let's see. Verse 39. Then, accompanied by the disciples, Jesus left the upper room and went, as usual, to the Mount of Olives. And he said to them, pray that you will not give in to temptation. And he walked away about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, Father, if you're willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet not your will be done. Yet, yet your will be done, not my will be done. Then the angel of heaven appeared and strengthened him, and he prayed more fervently, and he was in great agony of spirit, and sweat fell to the ground as drops of blood, or like drops of blood. At last he stood up and returned to the disciples, only to find them asleep, exhausted from the grief. Why are you sleeping? Get up and pray so that you will not give in to temptation." Here's the first denial, if you will, that almost all of us go through. And I'm I'm not pointing fingers at you. I've got enough ick inside myself on this issue. I've done this enough that I don't have to pick anybody out and say, it's you. What is this? Is Jesus was given a task by God. He did it. He gave a task to them. And then what did they do? So Jesus said to them, sit over here and pray for a while. And what did they do? They fell asleep. Have you ever been given a task? Don't raise your hand for this. Have you ever been given a task by God? You just knew you were supposed to do something, and the very first thing you did is not do it. I've got, like I said, I've got enough ick inside myself that I don't have to point at anybody else. This is a denial of the ministry of God in our life when he says, I need you to do something, and then you just don't do it. I need you to do A, and you go, and you go do something else. It's a hard road here. It's very obvious that Peter is amongst them in this thing. If you look at the Mark 14 version of this, it says Peter, James, and John were the ones he took. So Peter is amongst them. Peter, Peter, three times you'll deny me. This is a denial the ministry of God in our life. But the problem isn't that we will do this and be disqualified. The problem is, is when we've done this, we don't come back to strengthen the people. We don't turn back and repent. We don't keep coming back. That was his primary statement to to Peter. It was his primary statement. When you're done, return and strengthen the brothers. Return and strengthen the people of God. Let's read on some more. But, but even as Jesus said this, the crowd approached, led by Judas, one of the twelve, and Judas walked over to Jesus and greeted him with a kiss. And Jesus said, Judas, would you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? When the other disciples saw what was about to happen, they exclaimed, 
Lord, Lord, should we fight? We brought swords, and one of them struck the high priest's ear, slashing, slashing it off. And Jesus said, enough, no more of this. And he, put the, and he healed the ear on the spot. Now it's fairly obvious from John 18 that it's Peter wielding the sword. It's, Matthew doesn't call him out on that, but it's fairly obvious that it's Peter wielding, him, wielding the sword. And then Jesus spoke to the leading priests and captains and the guard and the elders and said, am I some dangerous revolutionary? He asked that you come at me with swords and clubs to arrest me. Why didn't you arrest me in the temple? I was there every day, but this is your moment, the time when the power of darkness reigns. So remember, the first one is, this first, this first denial that I'm focusing on today is God gave Jesus a task. He's taking it. He's moving forward. He's also assigned us a task. And then, then instead of being just outright disobedient, we just often don't do it, right? We just didn't get it done. This is the second one. Okay, can you imagine a harder spot in Jesus' life as he's being arrested? And what does he do in that moment? He heals one of his arresters. Think of the servant nature there for just a moment, will you? That right in the moment of when you're arrested, we've all seen clips of cops if we haven't watched it. How many of the perpetrators or the people getting arrested heal the police officer at that moment? It just doesn't happen, but Jesus does. Matter of fact, but this is the second denial, okay? So he's here as a servant, and, his, and Peter says, whack, with a sword, and Jesus goes, stop it, enough. I'm not a dangerous revolutionary that you need clubs to get. What's the second denial here? Not only do we not do what Jesus asks us to do sometimes. We don't do it the way when we are doing it his way. That is a denial of his ministry in our lives, if you will. To not to be a servant. How many of you want to take charge of the moment everywhere you go? We don't need to elbow. <laughs> I saw that. No, it's all good. No, um, I just want to lift this up. This is just one of the things that we do. And we don't have to point at each other because all of us have tried to do it our own way and not God's way. In the first service, you missed this. This was one of the more amazing things that happened last week. I wanted to ask Ted to play a specific song in the service, Who is this King of Glory? And I literally said, no, I'm not going to. I'm just going to let God be in charge. You know what he walked in and you know what he was playing this morning to practice? Who is this king of glory? And I mentioned it to him and I said, you know, as usual, if I don't take charge, God will take care of the whole thing anyway. Even if it's not that song, it would have been okay. But Peter is sitting here going, I'm in charge. We've got, a, we've got two hostile forces and I'm going to be the leader of this group and whack and I'm going to... You know what? Sometimes that's not the way God works. Matter of fact, it isn't always, it's almost never the way. And in the midst of the pattern, I want to make sure that we hear that God has a way of being for his people, even in the midst of struggle, that's important to be. It's not always, will you do task A and task B and task C? It's while you're doing whatever you're doing, be loving. 
But how easy it is it to not be loving right in the midst. I've got to protect Jesus' name. Man, I've got to go out there and fight for him. And you just get all... And, and maybe the way to be Jesus' follower is to love in that moment. Remember what he said. First, that he's the king and he has an assignment, and then he gives one to us. But that assignment is that he's there as a servant, and that's the way we're to be. And his example is, is right in the middle of that hard moment, he heals one of the very people arresting him. I know that's a hard word, isn't it? That's something to think about. How are we in our difficult moments? How are we in this body of Christ? I, asked, I told Ken I did this in the first service, so I kind of told him it was coming. Do you know Ken Benson? If we're having a meal at the church, where is Ken? In the kitchen, doing what? Dishes. Do you know what Ken is amongst us? Some of you might not even know this. Ken is the lay leader of this church. That means he's the one that if you've got a problem with me, you can go to him or the chair of the, of the SPR. He's, he's our leader. What is he doing? Dishes. Now, how many of you go up to him and say, Ken, start doing the dishes. We're doing that. Has anybody ever had to do that to him? No, I, I see this. I, uh, yeah, we're not talking about at home. <laughs> but yeah, I, see, I got enough ick inside me. I don't have to put a point at anybody else. But how do we deny him? Sometimes we don't do what he says. Sometimes we try to do what we think is right, but we're not doing it in the loving manner of a servant. It's another denial. But there's more. Let me get here. And so they arrested him and, and led him to the high priest's home, and Peter followed at a distance. The guards lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat around it, and Peter joined them there. A servant girl noticed him in the firelight and began staring at him. And finally she said, This man is one of Jesus' followers. And Peter denied it. Woman, I don't even know him. So right in the midst of the trial and the little bit of temptation we go through, what's the first thing we start to think to do? Nope, I'm not one of them. We don't always do what he wants us to do. Sometimes we don't do it in the right way, and then we don't even stand in the midst of the trial very well and go, yep, that's me. I'm one of his. The question isn't, though, whether or not that will happen in your lives. The guarantee is is that you will do that in your life. You'll do all of it. But Jesus' question from verse 34 is this. When you're done, will you come back and strengthen the body of Christ? Not whether or not you fall, you will. How many of you understand this statement if I say it? Serving God isn't all peaches and cream. It's not super fun all the time, is it? It's not all peaches and cream. I like peaches and cream. Yum. Right? But that's not the way serving God is. And Jesus is sort of making sure that they're not confused about this. You will be stressed. In the midst of those moments, how will you be? And when you fail, and you will, 
when you return, will you strengthen the body? Now, how do you do that? How do you strengthen the body when God's asked you to do something and you just simply didn't do it? And you turn around and go, God, I failed. Well, sometimes he asks you to go do something in order to do that. Lots of times when I haven't done something that I said I would do, there is a task that I have to take care of right away. The person that did it in place of me might need an apology. And if you were to do that, would that strengthen the body? Just think about that for a moment. When you did something somebody else was supposed to do, wouldn't you like to have been thanked for that? I know I've done stuff somebody else was supposed to do. How many of you have done things somebody else was supposed to do? You want to be thanked for that. What if it's the person you picked up after? Would that strengthen the body? Would people be reset together? Yes. Okay, so what about you did a task, but you were kind of the, the Lord of the universe in the midst of it. You almost had the dark night sort of feeling to you, and everybody around you got used and abused and sort of thrown around away while the project got done. But it got done. But it wasn't really done in a God-honoring way. Have you ever been on a project like that? Me too. When you've done that, what's the best thing to do? How will you strengthen the body in that moment? Well, there's two ways you can strengthen the body in that moment. You can talk to the people that you used and abused, and, not or, but and, the next time you're in charge of something, you can do it different. Will you strengthen the body of Christ when you return? What about the moment when somebody came up and asked you, oh, man, I'm really struggling with something. You know Jesus, don't you? And you go, nope, because you're kind of embarrassed by them or something they're going through or whatever the moment is. Or, or maybe you just don't have time to be with them at the moment because you've got an appointment someplace else and your schedule's tight. And you just don't stand with Christ in that moment. It's pretty easy to do, actually having done it myself a couple of times, the question isn't whether or not you'll fail in these ways. You will. And it's not just your pastor saying you will fail in these ways. It's God saying you will fail these ways. And when you do, come back and strengthen the body. Now, how, does, how do we do this? How does God bring us back to this? I want to make sure that we hear this, that, that Peter is around a fire in the high priest's courtyard, and it's a special kind of fire. And the only reason I bring this up is because it's a coal fire, and you wouldn't normally build a coal fire for lots of things. It's hotter than wood. And around that coal fire, he denies Jesus three times. Later on in the texts, he's sitting, Jesus is sitting at a coal fire. It says that specifically, cooking fish, which is really too hot a fire to cook fish over. And he says to Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, you know I love you. Then feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know that I love you. Then tend my sheep. Do you love me, Peter? Lord, you know that I love you. 
then feed my sheep. Jesus is resetting Peter's memory from the denials of the three times into another moment. Have you ever been stuck in your denials and you just couldn't get back to strengthen people? Well, God is there for you. He's there to sort of hit the reset button on your difficult moment too. He can call you and be there. He's there. But you've got a moment. There's a charge here for us as a body of Christ. When you've failed, what will you do? Will you turn and then strengthen the body? It's not a little deal, is it? We just saw this morning in the children's sermon the need to be unified, right? Otherwise, you're a single popsicle stick going snap. How many times did they break the popsicle stick? Several times. They just kept breaking it, right? That's what it's like to be alone. That's what new people here are like when they come in. They're like broken popsicle sticks. Will you strengthen them? Will you bind their hearts, even if they don't look like you? What about the people that sit on the other aisle? You know, they're the left church people. <laughs> and you're the right church people, right? What about that? What it, how will you take care of the right church people? You know, the people that sit on the other side. Yes. Turn around and then they're on the left, right? So, but either way, right? If somebody's from a different perspective than you, then how will you be unified? When, when you've struggled, will you come back and strengthen the body? That's the question.